Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What do you got for me? What's wrong with you people? I got nothing for you. What's wrong with you people? You're not angry. How do you all feel? This morning, I feel rotten. That's how I feel. Well, that was enough for me. We could have had the benediction right there. That was so good. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the Reformatory podcast for the local church and by the local church. And we are your local churchmen. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here with Bro Jack. Oh, yeah. Bringing it back. Dude. What's going on? Okay, first of all, yeah. I'm kind of living up to that statement because all I do is tell Josh how much protein I need to intake yeah, every single day. Exactly. That 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 has okay, so 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 both Jack and I have gone on a a mutual journey of self-discovery. No, that's not true. But Jack and I have both recently, and if you follow us on the socials, you you know this. I've recently made the decision to start start eating better. You know, we're not yeah. spring chickens anymore. We're you know we're, we're we're getting well that and and working out as well too combined with that. Yes, so. both of us are working out. Yeah. Both of us are getting our swole on, and uh, <laughs> it has basically just turned into Jack and I becoming even more so old men. And that the majority of our conversations now revolve around cigars, <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. And then our, protein our mutual intake. workouts diet slash diets. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we're just priming ourselves for that senior citizen discount, man. That's that's all it is. Like, dude, we're priming ourselves to be absolute. I what was it? I think it was like the newest. Like, um, what was it? Ted, um, what's his name? Adventures of Ted. Who's the Bill and, the time traveling Bill and Ted, yeah. Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted. excellent adventure or whatever it is. So the yeah. newer one yeah. where they are like swole dudes yes. in like a, a prison. Yeah. That's gonna be us. Josh. That's us. Like that's gonna Ho- be hopefully us hopefully not in prison though. Like <laughs> I was the, the swoleness, but without without the incarceration. <laughs> the swoleness, but yeah, yeah, the swoleness, but no uh, no felony. Without without the yeah something on my record that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, no no, it's been good. You know, I'm sore. Um, Eating like I had steak tonight, which sounds great, but it well, okay. One, it was great. I'm not complaining about steak. I'll never complain about steak. <laughs> I cooked it really well too. I have to say, dude, I pan fried it, salt, pepper, and garlic, finished it at the end with a splash of Worcestershire. Oh dude, it comes You're getting out all fancy. Fantastic. Let See, it sit, let it sit for about five, ten minutes. That sucker came out medium rare and it, I so I pulled the A one steak sauce out of the pantry because I was like I'm gonna need this. Didn't use it. Didn't use wow. it. And if you know me, you know I I could drink A one from the bottle. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> Didn't need it. I was proud of myself. I uh, I brought out the old grill for the first time and yeah. got some briquettes going, and then put those in the grill and then took two Angus steaks like both. One was like two pounds. The other one was like maybe a pound. And then just put some garlic powder, some salt and pepper on both sides, and then seared them. And it's then, so good. It's, yeah. it's so good. I, I, I love, I can't imagine what it would be like to live a life where you didn't eat red meat. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, like, like, I know there's vegetarians out there. Yeah. I know there's vegans out there. Why, guys? 
Why? Like God, I God mean, brought that curtain down, and <laughs> and he said, he said, Peter, take and eat, brother, eat it. I just, Ugh. I just couldn't. I feel like I can't keep going on just eating like chicken and fish. Man was not l- meant to live on bread alone. <laughs> you vegans <laughs> got to get some red meat in there. Wait, is that the interpretation of the verse? I don't know. Maybe I I'm reading uh, into that. Is that a little eisegesis there? <laughs> I, think uh, that, I think that might be. Yeah. <laughs> check check to the Twitter lately. That's that's all you're going to find. Uh, like, is this eisegesis? Dude, is it not? <laughs> like Twitter is just a nut house. It is, it is Arkham Asylum for theology is what it is. That is what Twitter is. It's like Arkham Arkham Asylum, yeah. and you've got all of oh your like, like all of your like main criminals, right? That are just like going nuts in their cages. That's what Twitter is, right? Yeah. Um, and it's going to get even worse because apparently Elon Musk pulled out of the deal. He backed not, out. He's getting sued. Not people. happening. But here's the thing. I think he, I, I think Elon's got a plan because here's <laughs> because here's the thing. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Right? Okay. What was the condition? We're getting hard, hard into the paint, nerd stuff yeah, here. Yeah, what was the condition yeah. that Elon Musk had in order to buy Twitter? What did Twitter have to do? They had to, re- they had to get rid of the bots. Yeah, they had to reveal how many accounts were bots, right? Yeah, Twitter didn't yeah. do that. So now uh, Elon Musk pulled out because he knew what was going to happen. If he backs out on the deal, Twitter's going to sue him to keep his deal. Now it goes to court. Guess what Twitter has to do now? In court. Reveal how many bots there are. Checkmate, Twitter. Elon Musk still wins. <laughs> Check. And now, now oh, because man. they're going to have to reveal that, it's going to lower the price of Twitter, because, and it's going to be less than $44 billion or whatever he was going to pay. So now he's going to get Twitter again. He's going to win the court case and get Twitter for a song, and all the bots are going to be gone. He's been playing chess this entire time. Twitter's <laughs> been playing checkers, and they just found out. That's my theory. That's what's going to happen. People that are smarter than me that are listening, which is the vast majority of you, <laughs> tell me if I'm right. That's what's going on. The MBAs are maybe all start DMing us on the yes, on the yeah, like all of the accountants, the yeah, all the accountants that we got listening. Oh my! All gosh. the business execs. I mean, you know, we got them listening. You know, like we are, we are them. the we are the business executive <laughs> podcast. You know, you know it's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know it's true. <laughs> Uh, Jack, before we get into our topic, my friend, you've got yes, a uh, you've got a cigar for us for the uh, cigar yes, for the reformatory cigar of the week. Lay it on us, man. Yes, yeah. So it's the Henry Clay Warhawk. The Warhawk. So this is, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. So this Henry Clay. I feel like Fortunate a... Son should be playing behind this <laughs> this, this cigar review. Um. So Henry Clay was a United States. Let's see. He served as the Speaker of the House in the early 1800s, yeah. and he had a reputation as a as a quote unquote U.S. nationalist. <laughs> okay. Um, so they called him. Uh, basically, he was putting James Madison under pressure to declare war against Great Britain in the War of 1812. That's where the term war hawk My man. Right. So, man, you can get a history lesson just by smoking My the cigar. My man, I'm smoking um, the cigar of a legend right now. So you have, there is two different blends. Okay. Uh, I'm going with the original blend. There's another br- blend that's called the Henry Clay Warhawk, and it's called Rebellious, I think. Okay. And it's just slightly, it basically has more Connecticut broadleaf in it gotcha. versus the original. Um, this one is uh, is basically just a very good, I would say, Connecticut, but also it has some good tobacco in it that makes it taste not as Connecticut-y. It's a hefty if Connecticut. People, now, if people understand what I mean. Before so. before people start getting on us, like, yes, we, we've been on a Connecticut kick recently. We're going to get back to Maduro's, we promise. But yeah. we're wanting to kind of show you, kind of broaden the horizons a little bit on how good some of these Connecticut's can be. Because I think a lot of people just write off Connecticut's because it's kind of the macho thing to do. Granted, yeah. I did that, right? And sometimes I still do. I'll be like, oh, you know, I don't smoke Connecticut's, right? But there's some actual good flavor profiles out there, especially in the more boutique brands that come in the form of Connecticut, right? So just because it's Connecticut doesn't mean that it's going to be like this wafy, like light smoke that you can't even taste, right? Yeah. Granted, some of the more name brand Connecticut's are going to be like that. 
But these Connecticut's that we're throwing at you, they've got profile. They've got some pizzazz, and we think that you mm-hmm. we think that you're going to like it. So it's a Connecticut broadleaf um, from Honduras, right? And then mm-hmm. the wrapper is Ecuadorian, and the yes. filler is obviously from Honduras. So you're going to get. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It, it's gonna have flavor. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a flavorful cigar, and it comes in how many sizes? That Toro, Robusto. You have yeah, Toro and Robusto. Okay, for the original blend, and I think it's. A, I think it may be that too for the rebellious uh, blend as well too. I'm not sure. But. So you're looking at a 44 ring gauge, so not not crazy massive or anything like that. Uh, you're not gonna dislocate your jaw smoking it. Um, but it's a good stick, man. You're gonna get some good flavor profiles. The best part about this, seven bucks. Mm-hmm. MSRP, seven bucks. You, this is an amazing Connecticut for a budget price. Yeah, and basically, I'm pretty sure the Robusto where I'm at was seven, and the Toro was eight, and then the Rebellious line, the Toro was nine. Yeah. So that's like decent pricing right there, people. Top 25 that's... top twenty five cigars of 2020 as listed yep. by, I think, Cigar and uh, Aficionado. So yep. take that or leave that. Um, but it is a good stick. And uh, in smoking it, you can call back the age of kicking it, kicking it to England. Giving it to the old Brits. Suck it, Britlin. Eat it. That's right. <laughs> smoke this. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. So it is the Henry Clay Warhawk. What a name, Henry Clay, dude. I don't know if I know any Clays. What <laughs> Clay's a cool name. Anyway, Henry Clay Warhawk, go get it. That is the reformatory cigar of the week. Go and smoke to the glory of God and God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Jack. <laughs> it is uh, time to get into our topic. So, last week we talked about. Uh, the qualifications of a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. What it means to be a pastor, um, biblically, right? Because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of definitions in our culture these days of what it means to be a pastor. And yeah. as we said last week, kind of the 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 title of pastor is something that it seems like is thrown around like Oprah throws around cars, right? So yep. everyone these days, if you're working in church, people just kind of seem to throw the title pastor at you because. They don't know what else to call it, right? But as yeah. we said last week, if you look in Scripture, there's an actual definition. There's actual qualifications, and there's parameters of mm-hmm. that title, right? The title of pastor slash elder, right? Two terms used synonymously for the same office. So we talked yeah. about last week kind of the main qualifications and definition of what it means to be a pastor. If you want to listen to that, go back to the episode right before this one and catch up on that. But we wanted to do a follow-up app. Uh, and we're going to stay primarily in Titus chapter 1, talking mm-hmm. about kind of some of the more broader ideas and broader uh, uh, qualifications that we have here in Scripture of what it means to be a pastor. And we're going to kind of suss out some of these ideas because I think there's a lot, even within the the definitions given in Scripture, I think there's a lot of debate and a lot of uh, mischaracterization, if you will, of some of the qualifications that are here. And Jack and I just kind of wanted to go through, give some of our observations. This is basically just going to kind of be a what is a pastor continued um, episode. So Part two. Yeah, part two. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we're going to be in Titus chapter one again. Uh, we were there last week. We're going to be there again, um, starting in verse five. Uh, and then going through, uh, I think it's verse nine, right? So I'm going to read yeah. that for us real quick, and then Jack, like, let's just hop into some of the some of the thoughts and things like that that you and I have been uh, uh, bouncing off each other, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Titus chapter one, starting in verse five, it says, "This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife." and his children are believers, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. All right. So that's what we got out of Titus. A lot of stuff Uh there. So, Zach, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, As you look at kind of some of these broader uh, broader aspects of what it means to be a pastor, there's a lot to discuss here. Uh What are some things that that come to your mind just kind of right at the forefront? So there is uh, some things that are said in here that uh, you could take absolutely at face value. Right. And if you take them at face value, then everybody's disqualified. 100%. Yep. (laughs) Only only Jesus can then be the literal and like now reigning ruler of the church at that point. Right. Because he fulfills all of those qualifications technically. And we can't as man. And so you have to look at it through like the lens and the hermeneutic of, okay, everybody's a sinner and we all sin. So we technically can't be blameless to a certain degree. Right. But yet we can be in some folks' eyes as well too. So there's this there's this balance. There's this dance that's happening in the text as well too. Um, and I mean also with being blameless comes also the line of like husband of one wife. Mm-hmm. Some elders are not going to have wives to be quite honest or some sure. are even going to be widowed. Sure. And so Sure. If God has uh, has, has gifted you with <laughs> The ability to 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 be single, you know, mm-hmm. as a man, it does not disqualify you from the eldership. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. And so there's that. Um, there's also talking about like even like your kids. Like, what do we do with the fact that maybe some elders, which I know of actually too, that their kids have have abandoned the faith, yeah. but they're still elders. Like, are they disqualified from that? And I would say no. There's this dichotomy that's happening in the text um, that you really have to be careful of because if you're not careful in doing that, then basically you're disqualifying yourself too in this endeavor as well too. And so, yeah, those are just like really off the top things that stick out because if we don't look at it in the correct lens, like, well, you might as well resign today because right. technically your own interpretation is, well, you're done. Yeah. Like you're not qualified, but yeah. So those are things that stick out right away. No, though. And yeah, yeah, no, those are, I could co-sign on those. And I think let's, let's stick with the kids angle real quick. Cause I, re- I, I remember mm-hmm. being real young and how, how young was I? Probably late teens, late teens. Yeah. Yeah, late teens, maybe early 20s, um, and starting to feel that pull into the ministry, right? Starting to, to sense that, that God had, had you know, given me a desire for it, that the gifting was there, um, and started kind of going through that process of seeing, you know, is this something that God wants me to do, right? I remember having a conversation with a guy um, who said to me, he's like, well, if you're going to be in the ministry, you got to make sure that you're qualified. Right. And I said, Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Right. You know, that's, 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 that's a must. (coughs) Excuse me. And he says, well, you're not married, so you don't have any kids. So how can you be qualified as an elder? And I, and I remember like almost being confused. Like I, I, I misheard him. Right. And I was like, well, I mean, once I, once I get married, you know, and then, and then if, you know, if, if the Lord blesses us with kids or, you know, if that's, if that's what he wants, then, then, I mean, the, you know, the qualifications there, but, but I don't, I don't see that as being mandatory. And he goes, no, 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 no. It says husband of one wife and that your children are orderly, which presupposes that you are married as an elder and have kids. And he took this line that if you weren't married as a man and you did not have children, it disqualified you from leadership within the church. Wow! Right? Wow! And it okay. took it took a it took a few like back and forth, uh, you yeah. know, you know, exchanges to actually confirm that that's what he thought, right? Because I was like, "There's no way, there's no way he he actually <laughs> thinks this." Like we're we're missing each other, you know, c- you know, c- in, in communication somewhere. That's that's what he thought, right? And wow. and I see that as I think that interpretation of this verse specifically is more common than I think we realize. And it's that difference that you're talking about between looking at something as if it is 
it is assumed, right? Or or you putting your own spin, your own interpretation on it versus what does the text say? Because the text also says uh, in verse uh, nine or, or verse eight, excuse me, that we have to be holy, right? And yeah. you already touched on that, yeah. right? So if you're going to apply the same hermeneutic to the rest of the passage that you do to the husband of one wife and the children portion, then I need to be holy. I need to be blameless, spotless. Now, obviously, positionally before God, we are because of the work of Jesus Christ, right? But behavior, behaviorally <laughs> and my yeah. thoughts, my motives, they are still very much affected by the old man, right? So that would disqualify me right there. But nobody in their right mind, unless you know, you're massively you know, your hermeneutic is really off is going to look at holy and be like, Oh yeah, my pastors are completely sinless. Right. Unless you are, yeah. <laughs> unless you're Benny Hinn or like <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, you know, wacko prosperity gospels that, you know, haven't sinned in forever. Bethel church. Yo. Yeah. Bethel church. <laughs> yes. Unless you're that right. Which isn't even Christianity. Um, the vast majority of, Christians, even in even in you know very broad evangelical churches, are going to say, "Well, yes, of course, I'm not perfect, right?" Uh-huh. But again, your hermeneutic is important. So that being said, we can't just assume that and apply that horrible her- hermeneutic throughout this entire text, right? Well, on top of it, yeah, on top of it too, you need to see how this is worked out through the church in history as well too, because you see a lot of elders, pastors, deacons, everybody, um, that certain texts like this are hard to comprehend because it has so many things. But then you look throughout history, you see a ton of single elders. The author of this book. (laughs) See a ton of, yeah, you see a ton of single people ruling and reigning in the church as leaders and uh, okay, like did they did they miss something? Obviously not. No, um, no, 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 no. Paul, I mean, Paul's not disqualifying himself in in what he's saying yeah. here, right? Because as far as we know, Paul was never married, right? Yeah, and and he even says, "I wish that most that many would remain single, so that the work they could do for the." cause of Christ would be even, you know, you'd have much more capacity for it, right? Because once you get married, and then even more so when a family comes along, your capacity for being able to 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 do these things changes, right? Yeah. Um, It doesn't mean that it's worth any less. It's just, it just changes. So to say that a individual must be married and must have kids in order to be considered for church leadership, I think is just really bad hermeneutics, and it's t- yeah. not taking into account Paul uh, and then uh, the many church histories examples that 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 you gave. On the flip side, I do think that it is wise for an elder to be married if they're going to be in church leadership, not saying it's required, not saying yeah. that it is, it, it's, it's, uh, if, if God has, has given you that ability to stay single, that you need to get married. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, if you are like me and you have not been given the ability to be single, <laughs> um, you are going to struggle and be tempted in ways that guys that don't have that aren't right. So yeah. it is, it is something to keep in mind that, being married is something that has so many blessings, right? And it's actually going to enable you to be a better leader within the church uh, if your marriage mm-hmm. is, is centered uh, on Christ and his gospel, right? Um, yeah. So any other thoughts on that, Jack? Maybe uh, maybe on the kids portion? Because I think a lot of people, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people throw around. Uh, yeah, the marriage and the kids portion. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be, I think you can glean a lot too sometimes. I think you can glean a lot from certain leaders like my wife and I are going through this um, Meaning of Marriage kind of book series and it has like a video follow-up and everything like that. And you have like couples who are sitting around kind of talking and discussing these concepts. You can have an abstract idea of what marriage means, but until you go through that process, you don't really understand it fully to a certain degree. So I can talk about marriage all day as a single person, maybe, theoretically, and like existentially. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't know the depths of it until I enter into the covenant of marriage and how it actually is worked out. You know, that's, that's the same thing with kids. You can have an accident, an existential idea about what it means to have kids and how important that is, but it doesn't affect you. And you're not in that capacity until you're actually in that stage of life. And so you can have these existential ideas but that's about as far as it's going to go for your knowledge sometimes. And you're not going to be able to really shepherd people well to that degree of if, if you have, if let's say a couple has teenagers and you don't, you're a single person. The only time you can really reflect upon and give them wisdom is from maybe when you were a teenager and that's it. So there's limitations if you're a single, if you're single and you're trying to, and you're, seeking after eldership there's going to be limitations to where things are going to go as far as you giving wisdom per se yes yeah so. yeah no absolutely i think there's going to be limitations i do not think that that disqualifies you from speaking truth into that situation however right because sure. it, because we have the same situation in our culture today that says you know it, it it says to men that you can't have an opinion on abortion if you're not a woman right mm-hmm. it's like well yeah True, I'm not a woman. True, I'm never going to understand what it's like to to conceive a child and carry it to term. But that yeah. doesn't mean that I am without biblical principle and the ability to speak principle, right, into the situation, right? And as an elder, yeah. even though you might not have experience with something, which I agree 100% with Jack, like experience is a phenomenal teacher. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. It, it, in many cases, the best teacher, right? It does not mean that you're handcuffed and unable to speak the truth of Scripture and the precepts that Scripture gives into that situation, right? It's just going to be more from a non-experiential side, which is still true, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're still speaking truth. Um, You might not just know all the ins and outs of how to apply that truth until you get to that stage of life. Um, Jack, something I wanted to throw at you because I've heard this a lot too. Mm -hmm. Kids have to be believers yeah this obviously means that if at any point in the child's (laughs) life from their birth to their death if they renounce christ walk away from the faith yeah that it disqualifies their father as an elder right well i mean (laughs) that's what it means right Presbyterians would say this, maybe, yes. Uh, not all Presbys. <laughs> don't, don't, don't throw. I'm not trying to don't, throw one don't of the throw, bus, but dude. I'm just saying, y'all. <laughs> That's not true I'm just saying Presbys. some Presbyterians that I've heard are saying, our child is a Christian child now. It's like, okay, that... That's going to be interesting when you get into this text as well, too. I think so. so. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get hate from a lot of Presby's. I don't think I know Presby's. I used to be one of you. I love you. I know I know what you're thinking. I know you don't think that. I know you don't think that. But but look, okay. Let's be real here, right? That statement, right, that if, if, if at any time the child walks away from the faith, mm-hmm. right, that that really just disregards the doctrine of election, mm-hmm. right? That if salvation isn't ultimately based on the parents, right, or or even that individual, that ultimately salvation is based on the foreknowledge of God, to say that when this child grows up, if they're not part of the elect, right, and again, this like these are hard truths, right, and they walk away from the faith, never to be reconciled, right, that's not a reflection upon the parents, it's not a reflection yeah. upon the father, right? What this verse is talking about is while the kids are in the home, right? Mm-hmm. Right. While the kids are in the home, they can't be open to any charge of debauchery or insubordination. Basically, you got to be able to manage your household, right? If there's kids in the picture, you got to show that you're managing your household well. You are not shackled to that child's election until mm-hmm. until they die, right? I, I've seen some people, and it breaks my heart, I've seen some people calling out... Um, uh oh shoot uh john piper john piper for disqualification because his son abraham has walked away from the faith right now his son abraham walked away from the faith when he was good and old (laughs) right i think yeah that and and to say that now because abraham john's son i think he might be his oldest or i I, I, I think he is is he his oldest yeah fairly fairly certain because he's now not walking with the lord to call 
John Piper's qualifications as an elder or a pastor into question, I don't believe is good. I don't believe is a correct interpretation of this verse. And I think you have to really stretch. Uh, and if you're going to be honest, anybody who wants that, that to be the interpretation, man, like you better be, you better be the best dad in the world, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I don't think it's a fair pressure to put on, on, on pastors. Um, that, you know, your kid needs to remain a believer his entire life. Otherwise, we're coming for your position, right? I just, yeah. I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, there was a similar situation as well, too. I remember being at a conference and a pastor was talking about how one of his teenage sons was not a believer yet. And I think he was talking about the dynamics of this text uh, when it came to him being um, brought into eldership at that church. And so, yeah, um, it happens all the time. Like I can say for sure, I know a handful of situations where I've had pastors love their kids, wanted what's best for their kids. Their kids um, have left the faith uh, and or they just don't embrace it whatsoever. And so, you know, that's to that degree, it's, it's hurtful in a sense, but also it doesn't, <laughs> it's not the ultimate factor of them like being disqualified. Right. You know? Right. So let's move on here because we're, we're already, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. Right. <laughs> I want to get into Mainly verse, um, let's see, where are we? Da, 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 da. Yeah, I want to get into verse 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. So it says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and self-disciplined. Right, And then obviously he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so he's able to give instruction and rebuke those who contradict it. So we have here some, like these are, these are major character qualifications, right? And what Jack and I, again, to go back to our point, just because you might have a moment of anger, right? And it's sinful anger, does not necessarily disqualify you from being an elder or a pastor, Right. What this is talking about, because, again, if if we're just going face value, none of us, there would be no pastors. Right. Yeah. To to Jack's point, because nobody's holy. Nobody lives a perfect, a perfect uh, life. Uh, Nobody is completely above reproach. Right. What this is talking about is not living a life that can be defined by these things. Right. So it doesn't mean that you don't sin. It doesn't mean that you don't fail. It doesn't mean that you don't fall short. We all do, especially elders. Right. This is why we still need Jesus. Just because you're an elder or you come into that position doesn't mean that you like turn into the pope and you magically like don't (laughs) sin anymore. Right. Oh, man. We still need Christ. We still need his redeeming work. We still need his mediation on on our behalf. Right. But we are to live lives that are not defined by arrogance that are not defined by quick tempered uh, or by, by being quick tempered or drunkenness or violence. Right. So when people talk about you, whether it be your church or the world, they're not the first things that out of their mouth are like, Oh yeah, he's a loose cannon or like, man, have you seen this guy party? He does not handle alcohol. Well, Right. Or like, man, dude, all he's talking about is like his paycheck and his and and how much, you know, how much money he has. Right. These should not be the things that define us, that define our character and define our person. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's it's very important for us to realize that, look, the way that you conduct yourself is going to reflect the over shepherd that you are under. Right. Which is why we need to take be very careful not to just look at this list and be like, oh, I don't get drunk. Uh, I'm not violent. I'm not really quick tempered. Check, 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 check. And then move on. Right. We are all susceptible to all of these things. And it's very important that we look at these qualifications and ask ourselves, man. Do I struggle with my temper? Do I struggle with with alcohol? Um, Am I prone to violent outbursts? 
Am I greedy? Do I not want to be hospitable? Do I not want to open my home to my people or give myself to my people, right? Uh, um, am I a lover of good? Am I self-controlled? Am I upright? Am I living a life that looks like Jesus, right? All of these, all of these qualifications, they're all questions of character, right? And they're really, really important. Yeah, and then on top of it too, I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't need to tell people that you could probably go on social media and just see some disqualifications just happening right off the top. <laughs> so yeah, it's it really terrible. like, it it really is, these things have to be like taken seriously in private and then also exercised out in the public as well too. And man, social media is a really great reminder of like, mm, I don't know if you're, if the people in your, like for me, example, if, if I was to do something on social media, I do have this sense in my mind of like, how are people going to perceive this in my local church? How are my elders going to perceive this? Because if I fly off the handle and go nuts and just, like, am not self-controlled in my speech and everything, like, I'm probably going to get talked to, you know? Well, I'm going to be marketing so, you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people will be out there. And, I'm, and, and I'll make sure to actually mark you instead of Daniel on yeah. accident. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting conversation. Oh, dude. dude. <laughs> so uh, I put that on Twitter. So I, so I tried to mark you, know. you today and I got through the entire Marco. I was like, all right, Jack, uh, thinking of recording today, uh, blah, blah, blah. And Please I, I, tell me and Daniel then, just responded then, with this smoldering I like, looked response. Up, of, I looked up and it's Daniel's doing? name on Marco and not yours. And I'm like, oh, hey, Daniel. <laughs> Disregard literally all of that. <laughs> it's like accidentally phoning your ex. <laughs> oh, jeez. Mercy. Oh, the days of Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's something to take into account of. And it's also something that your your congregation should be focused on as well, too. Because they're holding you accountable as well, too. Yeah. Um, This isn't just, I can say, I, you know, my my pulpits my platform thus i can do and say whatever i want to don't touch the lord's anointed yeah no it doesn't work like that son um so yeah there's stuff like that that i think is really concerning in that sense because people act not in step with those verses and it shows and you also have to wonder like subsequent things about their church as well too like How's their polity? What? How is this structured? Yeah. Like, is there accountability? What? What's going on here? You know, it's really interesting because I think we've all heard the old the old adage: "Who you are in private is who you really are," right? Mm-hmm. And that's very true, right? Because we all we all can put on this like social media veneer that looks all shiny and polished, right? But the interesting thing about social media, and this is a theory that I've been that I've been working on, and I think it has some legs. The interesting thing about social media is that it gives the illusion of anonymity. It gives the illusion of privacy because we're, for the most part, interacting with individuals and we can't see their face. We don't interact with them in person at all. Our entire relationship with these individuals is based solely on the the screens of our phone, right? So I think social media automatically, just, be, just based on, on its structure gives and it produces an arena for the true selves of individuals to come out because you don't have to deal with the consequences of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the consequence of that is that we see a lot of, we see the sides of a lot of individuals on places like Twitter or Facebook that we don't see in person. Yeah. And I would say that that if if they are defined by that, right? And and we all we all have people in our heads that we're thinking of where like mm-hmm. every time it seems like they're on Twitter or Facebook or or any social media site, they're either engaging in or starting some sort of controversy, 
right? And there's individuals that will phrase things a certain way that will that 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 they know will spark some sort of outrage, right, for the likes and the views. There's individuals that will engage in debate in a certain way that's very harsh and not defined by gentleness, right? As mm-hmm. we're called to be here in Titus. And you see this side of these individuals that I would argue is actually closer to who they really are than whatever image they may be giving off on Instagram or Sunday morning, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, we really need to start taking into consideration the social media accounts when it comes to considering someone for for eldership, right? We need to make it mandatory that if you're going to be an elder here, and we're going to examine you. We want to examine every part of you, and that includes your Twitter. That includes your Facebook, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't maintain a lifestyle that is one way on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And then you're just an unleashed, brash, just angry, angry person the rest of the six days on Twitter, mm-hmm. right? That's not sustainable. Because yeah. one of the two is going to like 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 the, the, they're going to bleed through, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you're right. It does. When I see that these individuals that are pastors or in some sort of like place of authority within the realm of theology or education or something like, that, it makes me ask the question: Where are your elders? Yeah. Because if you were in my church and you were mm-hmm. on the elder team with me, we would be having words. I'd be yeah. saying, "Hey, I see like." You said this this way. Mm-hmm. Why? I yeah. know you are much better at communicating on Sunday morning and with yeah. me. Why did you say it like this? Like, look at this thread. Look at these all caps, right? <laughs> look at this. Look at look at look at what you said here, right? And I think there is a lack of accountability in social media that I think needs to start being there, especially for elders and pastors, because. We need accountability in every aspect of our life. And I think social mm-hmm. media is at the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think in our modern day and age, I think that needs to happen a little bit more than it is. Um, because I feel like there's one of two camps. Pastors who will engage on social media at a very high rate and not so much shepherd the people that are around them or shepherds that are off social media and actually doing shepherding. I'm seeing that dichotomy a little bit more and more now these days. Um, I'm not seeing an absolute perfect balance to that, but I'm seeing that there's two camps and it seems like the more time a pastor is not... (laughs) And a shepherd and elder is not on social media. Actually, the better they are equipped uh, to shepherd people in their congregation. But then on top yeah. of it, too, you I mean, I, I've had pastors. They're like, I go on social media primarily maybe not to comment so much, but actually look at what my congregation is saying. Yeah. And th- so I can <laughs> confront them on that. Yeah. That, <laughs> it, that's a two-way street. Some of you congregants need to know your pastors yeah. see what you post. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, one guy, I remember down in California, I was talking to one pastor. He's like, he's like, I primarily don't post a whole lot of stuff, but he's like, man, I'll go on there and I'll like be like, hmm. This is interesting. <laughs> and then I'll encounter that per- person on the Lord's Day and ask them, hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, you said this yeah. on Facebook or Twitter, and, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, wh- what are you talking about? Like, what's going on with you? And a lot of the time, too, people who are very aggressive on social media are very much in person, kind of more um, not extra, more introverted mm-hmm. and more introspective. Sure. And so... That's also something that's interesting as well, too, in this dynamic that we're talking about with gentleness and hospitality and everything like that. Because, you know, like we said, the person you are in private should be the person. There should be no craziness going on or no, like, crazy distinctions between private and public person. Um, 
And if there is like, Hmm, like what, what is that? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta understand that your conduct not only reflects the church, but ultimately reflects Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we forget that when we start furiously typing on our phones. Right. And if you're if you're in ministry, if you're a pastor right now, if you're an elder candidate, right, whatever kind of stage in the process that that you're in, be very, very careful what you post on social media, because that junk lasts forever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, that and uh, you have a responsibility. You are called to be well tempered and gracious. Mm-hmm. Both in real life and fake life, which is social media, is not real. It's not a real place, right? Yeah. Um. And and you you have to realize that, right? And and being a pastor and an elder, that responsibility I think is even more so because you're called to care for God's people, right? I think we all have that responsibility. We all have the responsibility to to maintain that Christ likeness on social media. But even more so if you are called to lead. God's church. Yeah. Right. So those are just some words of encouragement, some words of warning, uh, just because look, Jack and I have seen, look, I'm coming from a place. I'm speaking for myself. I'm coming from a place that I have seen firsthand the damage that my own pride and anger can cause with relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. I've got lots of regrets from when I was younger in the ministry and younger in reformed theology, where the cage stage was just raging. Right. And I said horrible things. I did horrible things, you know, under the guise of zeal. Right. And making war with the culture. Right. Now there's a degree where, yeah, we're called to make war, but I see in scripture that we are called to make war so much more with our own flesh than we are Mm -hmm. anything else. And that was the point that I was missing. Right. And, if you learn anything from like from this podcast, from this episode, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. stakes are too high. The work is too important. Right. And it's it it's so vital that you keep yourself above reproach, both in real life and fake life, uh, yeah. if you're going to lead the people of God, because it's a good job. It is a it is a high calling and it's important. And we need men who understand what being a pastor is all about. All right, and they aren't going for the glitz or the glamour or the book deals or, uh, you know, they're not puffed up with pride and arrogance. They're not trying to make a big paycheck. They're not trying to get the followers on Twitter and Facebook. They care about their people. They care about yeah. leading God's church in the way that Jesus wants them to. They care about getting in the trenches and getting their hands dirty in the work that's not glamorous. They care, they care about getting their feet under the kitchen tables of their, of their sheep and helping them. They care about preaching the word of God in a way that magnifies Christ and his gospel. They care about the, 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 the importance of the church setting the standard in our culture. That this is what love looks like. This is what grace looks like. This is what truth is. Because we're the yeah. only people that have it. Right? We should be so much more about that than trying to amass followers on social media, right? Because when you're when your focus is correct and when your barometer is correct, you're going to be putting emphasis and effort and work into the correct things. Yeah. Right? And that's going to keep you qualified. Mm-hmm. Right? Trying to trying to trying to be a big name on social media, trying to, you know, to be the big dog in the debates. It's a quick trip to disqualification if left unaltered and unchecked. Sure. Yeah. Right? Because that just feeds the pride. Right? That isn't fostering a spirit of humility. That's not fostering a spirit of gentleness, right? And the more that's left unchecked, well, we've we've seen what happens. Right? So it's so important that we remain qualified, right? And commit Titus 1 to memory and re, like blast it into your mind of what what am I called to be? Right. It's all right there. And it's important. We have to we have to make our lives about it. Right. So I think Big Eva has sung. I think she's sung. Yeah. (laughs) I think she's singing the song, the sweet siren song Uh, that. And I'm tired. (laughs) Time to go to bed. Like my stomach is full of protein. (laughs) 
How much protein <laughs> did you eat today, Jack? <laughs> oh, dude. It's, I don't know it's how many below, grams I had. It's below 100 grams right now, I think, right now. I don't but. know how to judge how many grams a slab of steak has. I don't, like, how, how do I know? Is it based off the pounds? Is it based off the it's weight? based off of uh, grams sometimes as well, too. And so you have to Are look at I have nutritional get, content. Do I have to get a food scale? Is that what you're saying? Right I now? already had a food scale. Jack, so that can was you, pretty can you just get me a food scale? Can you just? I'll give you my address. It's Prime Day. It's Prime Day. Can you just send me a food scale? I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have. I don't. I, I. I. don't need the noise. I just. I want someone to do it for me. Uh, That's a no go. Let <laughs> that. Jack, get us out of here, man. Ladies and gentlemen, if you appreciate the camaraderie and the focus that we have here on the Reformatory of the local church. Trying to support pastors, churchmen, deacons, whatnot have you. You too can follow us more on the sociables, if you will. The path of destruction could also be a place of interaction, if you will. And that <laughs> interaction yeah, can stay be off on social media, but if yeah. you're on it, give us a follow. <laughs> <laughs> that interaction can be on the Twitter. Apparently, yeah. it's not going to be sold to Elon Musk unless Dude, just this, wait. this chess Dude, game happens. Just wait. Dude, this is going to be bigger than the Depp Heard trial. This oh is going to be it's going to be much more entertaining. You can follow us on the Twitter. It go or not only the Twitter, the tw- the uh, the Instagram. That's right. Well. Goes well with chocolate and marshmallow. Also, you can follow us on the Metaverse. That's right. The Facebook, the Zuck site. We don't know if it may or may not be gobbled up by Elon Musk or go down the next 24 hours. Be but amazing. all vast social, sociable uh, variants, if you will, of following us, the tag at Reformatory Pod. Josh, you can tell the lovely people how they might support us even more in other ways, possibly. You can stay qualified. Dang it. Talking to you. No, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there's many ways. You can head on over to reformatorypod.com. Get yourself some local church merch. You'll look good. You will. You'll rep mm. the local church and support um, support a podcast that, that really cares about the local church and does our best to uh, support and encourage other people that share that exact same um, belief structure. I don't know. <laughs> mission. Life mission. You can head on over to Patreon. And for the cost of a gallon of gas a less month. Than, less than. Are we under going five down, now? people. Oh, We're going down, now. people. I can't say that. Okay, I'm going to have to go back to Starbucks lattes or something like that. <laughs> anyway, for $5 a month, you two could become a Patreon supporter and your name would be Hallowed. Hallowed, sir. Hallowed. Hallowed through the halls of this podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Last but definitely not least, if you're on Apple or Spotify, give us a review. Give us a like. We appreciate some five starage. Five stars for five solas. We'd really appreciate that. Help get our rating up to where we want it to be, um, you know, and uh, it gets the podcast out to more people and uh, helps other people who love the local church find the podcast and hopefully become encouraged as well. We thank you guys for listening. We love you all. Stay qualified. We'll catch you on the next step of the Reformatory. Reformatory.